Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 56. If you're engaging at all on Instagram or YouTube, you've definitely been seeing the uptick in sponsored content. Today, we're going to be talking about the landscape of sponsored content, how we see it changing, things to look out for if you're considering sponsorships, and also staying true to your audience and yourself without selling your soul for a quick buck. But before we get into it, we do want to thank some new members that joined our MFP patron tribe this week. We had Travis Mendenhall and David from the Roller Coaster Project. Thank you, guys. And if you want to support the show and get some awesome rewards, head on over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit and check it out. We'd love to have you. John, what is up, my man? Not much, brother. Over here, just sweating bullets. Um, if you were catching my social content at all, it is warm up here in Pittsburgh. I've um, been working on a desk and a dining table for a client. And um, after that, it's a coffee bar and I am officially wrapped on custom work. I don't think I'll be taking any more on for the year. Um, and it's it feels like I lost a lot of weight. I say, man, yeah, I mean, I, shoulders for sure. I, tr- I truly thought I could make a conversion to where I'm picking up a couple small uh, commission pieces here and there, but until I have a full rhythm with a content creation, I just don't think it's going to be possible. It's it's turned into, you know, a lot more work than what I wanted it to be. Um, as much as I know about doing custom work, you know, just the inquiry process itself is hours a week, so. I'm I'm looking forward to wrapping these custom pieces and and getting into doing some wild uh, content based on me and me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that's that's awesome, man. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how you transition out of the custom work into the content side and really have the focus there. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, um, I'm stoked. Speaking of of content transitioning, man, I just started doing. Uh, I had the first welding project. So you well know that because I was calling you with like, John, how do I keep metal square? Because <laughs> this stuff moves when you weld it. And uh, I just got done welding up the base uh, and for the desk I'm doing. And it was my first project I did, you know, start to finish in my shop. We did the one up there at Lincoln uh, for the spring make and you and, and uh, Douglas from Retro Weld helped me out. But this one was cool to to do it kind of from the beginning to the end. And uh, I got to say, man, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. And it really gets me stoked to do some more welding projects. Yeah, welding's a blast. I mean, once you get the hang of it, there's some basics that you need to cover on a on a individual project basis. But once you get those down, uh, it's, it's lickety split. It's quick. It's fun. It's super yeah. fulfilling. It's a much different feel, I think, than woodworking because you're um, immediate gratification of things being put together. You're not waiting for glue joints to dry and such. So. Right. Yeah, cool. That's what I, I was I was telling somebody there because I was posting about it on Instagram, and I was saying uh, I think metal is a is a lot easier to work but less forgiving. Yes, and woodworking is harder to work, but uh, you know it, it's it's harder to fine tune and all that stuff. So yeah, it's it's really fun to do that. But also, man, 
And as this comes out, actually, as this episode comes out, uh, John and I will be sweating profusely in Joshua Tree out with our buddies from the Modern Maker podcast. So we're going out to hang out with Ben and and uh, we believe Mike, although not sure if Mike's going to be out there or not. And hopefully uh, we'll also be able to get Chris out there over from L.A. And if we do a, a meetup or anything, we'll definitely let you guys know. It would probably be later during the week. So um, be on the lookout on our Instagram channel. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I can I can only imagine what's going to happen out there. I can't lots, imagine. Lots of video content. Lots of video content. <laughs> Lots of video content. I think I'm going to get a mullet hat. I think I'm going to get a mullet hat just because, you know, when you're in Joshua Tree, Ben whips out the the mullet hat with the, uh, the the little white thing. I was like, oh, yeah, I was looking on Amazon. I was I was perusing for mullet hats because, you know, if it's going to be 115 in the desert and I'm outside, you know, protect the neck. I think I'm going to grow a mullet. <laughs> Why not? Desert mullet. I like that. I, I'm in. Uh, <laughs> All right. So today, I know we, we talked about, we went back and looked at it. It's been all the way back since episode nine. So for those of you mm. who, yeah, a long time ago, who don't like to go back and haven't listened to the full thing, which I, I don't blame you. If you've just picked up, you've probably not heard us talk about it. But uh, there is an episode out there, episode nine, where we talk about an introduction to sponsorships. And we'll probably be talking about some similar stuff, but we're also going to talk about how we've seen the landscape change because that was, you know, almost a year ago now. And things have definitely changed. And, um, you know, I, I, it's interesting to see, uh, especially with the people who listen to Made for Profit, right? And a lot of the a lot of our patrons who are, are people that um, you know, we have a good mix of people who are doing product as well as people who are trying to get into content. And we're seeing a lot of these folks that are have been working on their channels and everything starting to get sponsorships. So it's really cool. I mean, to see new teams or new businesses coming in as well as new creators. So the landscape, you know, now from 12 months ago is, is very, very different. Yeah, absolutely. And just from our experience personally with the brands too, I mean, when two years ago or so, when I started working brand deals and started to talk to sponsors and that was just simply for free product, you know, these were brand new concepts and ideas to these companies to a degree. I mean, especially a lot of the slower moving woodworking companies. Um, and, and that seems to be the pretty common theme um, so with that, you know, a lot of the conversations were just educating the the individuals at these companies on, you know, why uh, we bring benefit to to them and how we're more affordable and um, a lot of the value added uh, using social influencer marketing. Um, now you look at the landscape and, you know, brands are seeing the monsters uh, in the industry using it and adopting this 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 methodology of marketing and they're they're going all in um so with that it's it's just changing everything um and as well as the platforms changing you know instagram and youtube have made massive changes in the in the last year um and and with that they're adapting a lot of principles and uh, i guess features that are favorable to sponsored content um specifically youtube with their uh if you have over a hundred thousand they have their sponsored content um yep uh, the, the availability now, as well as Instagram with paid promotions. Um, and Facebook also has sponsored content, um, with, similar to the paid promotions. Um, and, and, you know, in that it's, it's, there's been FDA regulation changes. There has been, uh, you know, the, the massive data issues coming from Facebook this year. Um, and a lot of that, the, the, like Brad said, the landscape has completely changed 
as far as paid promotion and content sponsorships go. So we're going to touch a little bit on, you know, our thoughts, uh, what we see coming, how, what we've seen, um, and just kind of vibe on it for a minute. Cause we've been getting a ton of questions, not only from our patrons, but from, uh, personal DMS and, and, uh, individuals asking outside of our listener audience. So thought it'd be a good time to chat it up. So um, yeah, I, d- I think the thing with the influencer marketing that you're talking about is that, uh, you know, if you've heard that term, that term is becoming, you like you said, much more widely accepted. And and just just to hit on the brands, you know, as we get started here, just to hit see, see some of these things like uh, just recently we've been seeing uh, Ram trucks. I just recently see, saw uh, Sons of Sawdust working with Napa. You know, it's like these are are outside of the space. So we've we've all seen the you know, the woodworking guys and the the people that we work with, right? So you've seen the Rigid, the Woodcraft, the Rockler, the DeWalt. Uh, you've seen all these brands that you know and that you use in your shops. But the interesting part, like you said, John, that it's becoming much more widely spread, you're seeing Ram trucks. You know, we saw Spagnolo did the one with Honda a while back. Uh, but you're starting to see the car companies. Ben, ben did a, a spot with Acura last year. Um, you're seeing these come in and then Ram just getting into it again. And and then Napa, you're starting to see these these outside uh, companies that you wouldn't associate that are more uh, fringe for woodworking. That's not directly related, but it is supportive. So that's the part I think that's interesting and exciting. And then you get the upswell. So there's so many more influencers that are out there and everybody's trying to to work their way through it. So yeah, I think like you you mentioned the free tools starting off there. I think that's where a lot of people start off is that they're like, hey man, it'd be it'd be awesome to get uh, a free jig from Craig or a free box of screws or a free thing of sandpaper or or a drill. You know, it even it starts out really small or glue. Like you know, it's like oh I got I got three bottles of glue. This is amazing, uh, and it is because like at that time when you first go from uh, not having many followers to starting to get, you know, it's like, man, I've got like 500 followers. I got a thousand followers. And then somebody's like, Hey, we'd, we'd love to send you some tape or some glue. You're like, yes, mm. I have arrived. Yeah. I mean, my whole reasoning for getting into content uh, creation as far as sponsorship goes was for free tools. You know, I was uh, trying to build up my tool arsenal in order to make custom work and supplementing your business with free tools is a nice way to save yourself a lot of overhead cost um, and keep some cash in your pocket. So that was, you know, why I got into it. And, and I will, it's very hard for me to turn down free anything. I mean, free is for me and and I will, (laughs) I will take it all day long. Um, But, but in that, you know, it does add a lot of variables to how the, the segment of influencer marketing works specifically for us in the tool space. Um, and it's and, not just content creators. I think that's a good, like what you hit on is perfect Yeah. because that was when you were not really doing content creation. You were doing, you were accustomed. So we're not talking. So and hopefully if you've not tuned out by now, if you're a product person, we're talking to you. We're talking to the people that are running wood shops. We're, we're not talking to YouTubers. Yes. We're talking to everybody because we, and we've been having many conversations with people who are just like John was doing custom furniture, uh, but are getting approached by brands to sponsor them. And, and even so, even more so, some of those companies want to work with those people versus content creators because they want, you know, that better fits their brand. People who are making a living uh, putting out custom work and and really in the grind building all day long versus shooting video. Yeah. And, and 
the reason being there's a, there's a story there. You know, it's not to say there's no story behind a content creator, but typically a brand that is selling and producing custom work is going to base their branding around their story. And for that, you know, uh, it brings a lot of opportunity for a sponsorship opportunity to use the same story. Um, so, you know, if you're building uh, period pieces that look specific to, you know, something that matters to you and that's what your brand stands on and that's what the staple of what it does, that's valuable to a brand um, in a different way than someone like myself and Brad who just builds things that we find relevant to our lives or that are cool or trending or whatever it might be. Um, so brands view those things differently. So absolutely, you don't have to specifically be a content producer in order to benefit from how many companies are starting to come into uh, the, the sponsorship space. And, you know, with all of that, it, it the question comes to be is basically like where to start. And and for myself, um, like I said, where to start was was free tools and, and specifically consumables, because one of the biggest, you know, overhead costs in most of our production is going to be consumables, things like the stupid stuff you don't even think of things like mineral spirits or, you know, box of shop rags or finishes or glue or yeah, screws, sandpaper. nails, sandpaper, continue, continue, like on and on they go. And when you look at your monthly expense reports, because we know all of you are doing those because you're made for profit listeners, um, <laughs> you'll see that like, wow, last month I spent, you know, 180 bucks on sandpaper and you have three different sander sizes now and, you know, then you're buying some flat sheet. And so you can see how these things being free can free up some cash to reinvest in other parts of your business. So starting out, you know, I'm, I'll always say if someone wants to give you a freebie, you know, take it uh, all. The, why not? It's, it's not hurting you at all. Um, and, and with that, you're able to bring some exposure. Typically a brand is much more willing to work with you for free in exchange for product than they are to pay you. Um, cause you gotta remember those budgets are coming out of two different departments typically within that business. Um, and most products are already sunk costs, uh, for their on the books. So, you know, they're not looking to get approval for a budgeting in, in a different segment of the business, say marketing or uh, they're they're already costs associated with with sending out yeah. free product yeah they've got so like you know for an example if somebody sends you a 200 hundred dollar drill you know depending upon what their profit margin is they've probably got a hundred or less into it again depending upon what the tool is and who the manufacturer is and what their price points are and all that stuff so automatically you're thinking oh i'm getting a 200 hundred dollar tool well they've really only invested a hundred or less into it. So they're getting a little bit of a discount there, but I think, you know, that, uh, exactly what you're saying, John, that absolutely. I've, I've not turned down very many offers for free product. Uh, and, but the key there is what are the strings yeah. that are attached? Yes. So that, that's where I think you need to really, we'll start the conversation is if you're getting offered something, uh, it's not typically because of the kindness of their heart. They want you to do something for them. And we, you know, had this conversation in the past. Um, all tool companies, all any companies are for profit businesses uh, that are out there trying to turn a profit. And so by giving that to you, they're expecting something in return. And that could be something as simple as you using it and telling other people word of mouth or it's showing up in the background or just naturally and what you're already doing and you change absolutely nothing. Um, and maybe you're even already using that that brand of tools or that brand of 
finish or sandpaper or whatever. And they just supply it to you just to, to keep you because you're a loyal customer already. Right. And, and that's the bet, you know, for that, I think, you know, John and I would say, take it all day because there's not, it would be completely transparent. Uh, and you're not going out and having to, you know, do a sponsored, uh, a quote unquote sponsored post, uh, and saying like, Hey, just got this new brand new, uh, you know, 10 X life sandpaper from brand X. And it's amazing. Like, you know, th- that starts to go there. So if they want to offer you something and not ask for any post, that's awesome. But typically that's not what happens. No. Typically they're going to say, hey, we want you to share this yes. on social. So what you're going to typically find, and there's there's a couple ways to do it, but most pop, most common are going to be either a demo or uh, product placement. And, what, you know, used to be unboxings and that those type of stuff like that was popular. But, but nowadays we mostly see... Uh, demoing products or just general use uh, product placement type stuff. And uh, Brad was touching on the product placement type uh, promotion where, you know, you're already using it in your content. They just want to support and supply you with more, which is fantastic. You're not being required any deliverables on your end. Typically, they want to send you product because they know you're already using it and they want to support you and they want to continue to see you using their stuff, which is great. The other end of it is going to be when the product is outside of what you're already using. So say it's something new and a brand reaches out to you or you reach out to a brand. Um, They're going to want to be seeing that stuff in your content more or want specific deliverables on that content's usage or excuse me, that product's usage within your content. And what begins to happen there is a um, derivation (laughs) from (laughs) your existing type of content. And, uh, you know, Brad and I have been doing some coaching recently and talking about this with um, some of our top tier patrons. And in that you get uh, brands are going to want to see their stuff like that is a known uh, that's a known factor in this whole concept. But if they're reaching out to you and your content isn't based around uh, tool usage, it's not based around, you know, uh, process shots or process videos or any type of tutorial or educational style content. If you're specifically doing stills and finish uh, photo shots for your content, specifically on Instagram, then trying to incorporate all of the sudden this new, you know, bam, tool in your face, sponsored product ad stuff is going to be very, um, you know, against the grain when it comes to your brand identity on that social platform. So as easy as it is to go say to this brand, like, yeah, I use your stuff all the time. You do need to be evaluating the type of content that you're producing. And you do need to, be, to take a step back and look and go, ah, does this fit my brand identity? Because there's some very high level players in our community. A few of them have been on the show that have sponsors that you never see sponsored content on specific platforms for. And that is because that is just not the type of content that they produce. So be cognizant that if a brand does reach out to you and they're looking for that paid promotion, excuse me, that product placement um, in exchange for, you know, a, a free tool or so, be sure that it's already a tool. You know, I, I suggest a tool you're using or a tool that you would like to be using if it's an upgrade. Um, yeah, a and brand you're using. It's not outside of what you're like for me to whip out, uh, I don't know, leather working tools in a video all of a sudden and I'm just doing paid ad spot on my Instagram for it. Like unless I'm building something that's incorporating leather that has been like established within my content already, it's going to feel wrong. Like the audience right. will not like it. Concrete, for instance, I, the build up to that when I did that little uh, segment on that concrete coffee table, 
It felt natural because I was building something. I was making a piece of furniture. I wasn't just all of the sudden using, you know, uh, whatever brand concrete. I actually wasn't even sponsored by concrete for that. It's just right. I wanted to build something out of concrete. So, you know, you could see how easily those lines can become very, very blurry. Um, and if you are a product uh, producer and you're selling your furniture and you're selling whatever you're making, you need to be cognizant of your audience as well. And I'll let Brad dive into that a little bit deeper. But basically, you know, what what we're getting at here is that make sure you are doing an evaluation of your content as well as the things that are, are involved with your content. Yeah. And I, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think as um, this is especially important for product people. So where as a content creator, I, I think there, there's much more leeway because let's take me, for example, um, I would have no problem just jumping into blasting off some leather tools. If that is something that I've been wanting to get into, even if I've not done any content to it, but because, because I'm a content creator, that's kind of what, you know, I, I create content and I try to do new things. So for me, that would be actually a natural thing of saying like, man, I've been trying to get into content. I've been trying to get into leather work for a while. I really didn't know where to start. Uh, I just hooked up with Tandy Leather. Tandy, if you're listening, you know, you can hit me up at fix this bill dot, um, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, I just hit Tandy leather, you know, offered me an opportunity to, to get into leatherworking. And they sent me this starter leatherworking kit. Like that would be a, a really natural, um, engagement and interaction because that's something that, again, that I'm, I'm out there. I'm trying to learn new, th- just like with welding, just like with welding, right? Like worth welding. Uh, I am working with Lincoln Electric on the welding. Like I don't, I, they brought me up there and that was kind of the lead in too. Um, you know, I went up and and met them at Workbench Conference, then was lucky enough to, to get the opportunity to come up and learn some welding skills up at Cleveland. And then now I'm able to make content and um, from a beginner welding perspective. And that's something that they're looking for is like, hey, we don't want like people that have, we don't just want people that have been welding for five, 10, 15 years. Like we want people to know that welding is accessible and that's how other companies, same thing. So as a content creator, now, if you're a product person, uh, it's a little bit harder because you've got this business, unless you are coming out with a new product line that is built around that, like John was saying, unless you're kind of building up and extending that. And that's part of your product story. If you just bounce in, do a spot on leather and then maybe do one project with it and never come back to it, that's going to feel really disjointed to your audience. That's like, well, doesn't this guy make tables? Like, why do you make that, uh, that valet, you know, like a leather folded valet to put your change in. And then I never saw him use the leather again. Like, what was that about? Yeah. So, and, and that's where it, the disconnect comes. And, and, and this is just a specific instance within like a making quote unquote as well. A lot of brands reach out to individuals like us and ask for ad placement or product placement, and it can be very, very off the wall. Um, and and so that's where you want to just be able to look at and evaluate yourself, your your brand, and your audience as well. So you know, with um, with opportunities like this, you need to consider who's actually consuming and viewing your content and why you produce your content. So if you're a custom furniture maker who produces strictly coffee, dining tables, living room sets, things like that, for a brand that is in, you know, uh, say the men's care or late woman uh, body care, we'll go with that. 
industry to come reach out to you if your content isn't based around the promotion of brands or the promotion of content itself and you're trying to sell furniture, your audience is probably people that want to buy your furniture. So to start pushing advertisements on people who aren't even don't even own, you know, anywhere close to the tool set or whatever you have, pushing things onto them, you have to be cognizant of it. You can't just go and assume that because a number exists, uh, say you have, you know, 50,000 followers ever that they're going to just accept whatever you give them. You got to remember, we create content for the consumer's base, not for ourselves. So your audience is much more important than um, the advertisement revenue that you would get. And you got to consider that or because if you do start producing content that's way outside the box and that your audience isn't going to be receptive of, you're going to see a downtick in your um, in, in impressions and in the type of reaction your audience is going to give to it. Now, that being said, you know, I, I we do it. I mean, I just did a advertisement for uh, a lawnmower because I, you know, thought the audience would, would dig it and actually performed pretty well. But I did sit down, evaluate, okay, you know, I have got a mostly male audience. Um, you know, uh, this type of thing is in the tool world and I do tools, uh, use them a lot and I think it could fit well. I didn't just say yes immediately. You know, I did kind of do an evaluation. Now, do I, have I been criticized for it from people in our, you know, community? It's possible. But for me, I thought it was a win and it was a it was a fun little project and it worked well. But my audience has been migrated over to content based consumers. They're not looking to purchase my products as much anymore. So with that, you know, I knew that it wasn't going to be as offensive. If you've got mostly buyers or individuals who are looking to purchase your stuff off of your off of your channel, you really want to make sure that you're not doing anything that's forced to turn them off because that'll have a negative effect on your sales and conversion on that side. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think there's a, you know, what we're getting at basically is, is maintaining the authenticity of your brand and your social channels, right? So you want it to, I think there's a, a pretty easy litmus test too, that uh, if, if you're second guessing something, if you're like, ah, yeah, this could be a stretch, it probably is. If, if you're feeling that, then, you know, you might want to just, again, sit back like John was saying. And also, so uh, we were, we've actually just uh, been doing some double recording. So we just talked to our, our next guest, which will be on next week. And uh, we'll leave that as a surprise. But he said, um, you know, what, one of the ways that he looks at it is like, how does this fit with my overall goals and strategy? So does this get me towards what I'm trying to do? Because uh, the other piece about bringing on uh, sponsorships and content deals and all these things, even as a product person, is that you're committing time. So no, unless unless they are literally just saying, here, take this, just do what you do. We don't need any mentions. We don't need anything. Uh, the second that you sign up to tag them or, you know, shoot a photo differently or a video differently to highlight a product versus highlighting what you normally would do, you're now incorporating more work. And guess what? You're also incorporating emails and or phone calls and invoicing and payments and and a lot of things. I mean, once you start getting into, so the next stage, especially going past the free tool stage, going into paid, that's a whole other ball game. Now you're having to submit W9s. Now you're having to go in there and, and deal with their budgeting process 
And there's just a lot involved in that. So, uh, you know, don't enter into that lightly uh, because, you know, there's there's a lot there and there's a lot that's going to be asked and, uh, you know, evaluating what they're asking for versus how does that fit into what I'm trying to do with my brand and my channel. And, and it's going to be a lot easier on, you know, content creation side. Uh, I know that's a lot of, that's a goal for a lot of people like, Hey, I want to get a sponsored video. I want to, I want somebody to be able to support my channel because that's what I'm trying to do. I want to, I want to, that's, that's what I do full time. Um, a large part of my income comes directly from sponsors. And those are tools and brands that I use that help me do what I do. And I love them and I love supporting them. And it's a, it's a great thing, but, um, it is not easy. So that, that was another part of that conversation. Like there, I think people think, oh man, that would be the life to have a sponsor. And, and it is, and it's fantastic, but, uh, it is not easy. And it is, you know, there's a lot of back and forth and there's just a lot of extra work that is involved in it. Um, and you need to make sure what you're committing to. So, you know, what about that on that side, John, well, they, the commitments and, and the value, I guess, maybe that's a place we should go next is, is when do you go from getting the free tools? Cause I know a lot of people are doing that. Like, Oh, I've gotten sent something, but you know, how do, how do I get somebody to pay me? How do I get some, some actual dollars? Because I can't feed my kids another cordless drill. Yeah. I mean, and essentially that's going to come down to the personal individual, uh, like, and how they feel about the relationship for, for myself, for instance, you know, I, I wanted to upgrade my shop as much as I possibly could. Um, so free tools are always something that were fantastic for that. Um, and I was able to take the free tools and turn those into income based on producing work for sale. Um, so, but if you're producing work for content or your own sake, you know, you, you can't just accept the, um, the free tools at a certain point, you know, you can only have so many drills. I built a drill charging station that holds 11 drills and I get a lot of fleck for it, but like, I literally have (laughs) a dozen drills. Um, and so what, what the next step is going to be monetizing your influence and monetizing with these existing brands. And what's going to happen is you're going to see that some brands are more willing to work on free product bases and some brands are willing to work with you specifically. And you need to gauge your relationship with these brands. Um, and, and, you know, for me, it's how much value do I bring to that brand? How much uh, benefit does that brand get from working with me? What do I bring to the table? Nobody else does yada, yada. And then on the other hand, you have to think of, you know, what can I do for this brand that nobody else can do? Um, what does this brand expect and see in me that they can't get from other people and leverage those aspects to the brand's benefit. Um, so essentially, you know, once you get to a point where you feel like you have enough tools or the tools in the relationship, you know, you can't get any, any bigger. Um, if you want the relationship to continue, you know, you start negotiating on terms for payment. Um, and with that, you know, there's going to be uh, deliverables and you know, that's how sponsorships work. They, there's, you know, these companies deserve to be given, um, what they are paying for. Um, you know, you were not, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the rock and by working with Under Armour, they're getting millions and millions and millions and millions of impressions and sales just because kids want to be the rock. Like that's ridiculous to think of. And so he probably has to do zero fulfillment. And I, actually I would even bet he actually has to do a little bit, um, probably a show or something a year, but in that, you know, like uh, you, you do have to do work in order to have sponsors. They don't just chuck you stuff and then give you money to just exist. 
Um, there's everything from ad placement on your website to banners in your shop to a de- designated number of um, visible logos within your content over a course of time. There's sponsored posts. There's um, shows. There's uh, <laughs> you know all kinds of stuff that goes into it. Um, so when you're getting into those conversations, just expect these parts of negotiating to come up. Um, if a brand in yourself have been working together for a while and you want to go into that next phase of becoming a you know paid sponsored content creator for them, um, it's not just you know the same uh, type of negotiating as you know hey here's a free tool could we get a post? There's going to be set lines and limits, um, and in those you know that's where you really need to be able to evaluate your audience and see uh, how much value do you bring to the table. And on the other hand, you right. need to evaluate your existing time and your free time. Um, one thing I did at the beginning of this year was approached a lot of my sponsors and moved my relationships into the paid atmosphere for sponsorship because I realized how much time was going into it. What I also did was bid off a lot more than I could chew and got to a point where there was a month or two where I was just completely maxed out. I was super unmotivated and like it, it was a it was a drag to um, go through everything and you could sit there and think to yourself like, oh, it must be so awesome to have all these sponsors and all this custom work and all this just money just flying in. But on, when it comes down to it, no, <laughs> it's miserable. You're hitting deadlines for customers. You're hitting deadlines for sponsors. You're hitting deadlines for things you never knew could have deadlines. Um, and then you're missing them. And then if you actually care about what you're doing, your your mood becomes affected by it. The people in your life become affected by it. Your life becomes affected by it. And it's just a it's a spiral that can get completely out of hand. Um, so approaching sponsors with the intent of being a paid content creator for them, just realize it's a job and it's difficult and it's something that requires a lot of time and effort. Um, and that you now work for that brand. You're not just an individual who's doing whatever you want on your own free will, um, and reaping rewards. You're now, you know, under contract and there's a lot more that goes into it. Yeah. And you've got to evaluate that, like you said, John, versus, what are you getting versus what are you putting in? And so, you know, maybe, so where to start. So one of the things we would recommend to, and this is going to be for Instagram and for YouTube. Um, and it also has some, it has, I think most, if not all the platforms in there, but there's a website called social blue book and you can go out there and you can link your accounts. And basically what it does is it imports all your information. So it'll say, okay, we have, um, Billy, the kid 5,000, uh, and he's got 3,200 followers on Instagram and he's got 1,500 followers on YouTube. And and what will happen is you can go in there and you can select and say, hey, for a video post on YouTube, uh, how much should I charge? For a picture post on Instagram during this month, it doesn't have like, has like the months because uh, advertising dollars are more expensive during the holidays than they are you know, during the dead of summer. Uh, and so they would look at that, a, a picture is less than a video on Instagram. So they you can go in and value these things. And I, what I would recommend anybody who's thinking about doing that is going in there and linking that up and it will give you a good idea. And actually it is, um, it, it's kind of interesting. It's, we've seen it be a bit high. We've seen it be a bit low. Um, but I think in that, in that kind of mid ground, maybe between 10,000 followers to let's say 75,000 followers or so, that it's pretty accurate on, you know, where we think the expectations could be. Um, and it just gives you a guiding point. You know, some's going to be higher than that. Some's going to be lower than that. 
but you can go in because if you go in and you plug in, Hey, I've got 532 followers. Yeah. It's going to tell you, they're going to give you like five bucks, you know, or like whatever. Like there's some point where you need to have a certain amount of influence and audience because that's what the brands want. The brands want more eyeballs and impressions. You know, John mentioned earlier, like that's what it's all about. It's about impressions and some brands want brand awareness and some brands want direct conversion. So you know, there are brands that we know that um, they don't care what you have. They want to know how many products you can sell. Like you got a million followers. Great. How many of these, how many of my widgets can you sell? Because that's what I'm evaluating you on. And if somebody that's got 5,000 followers can sell more widgets than the person with a million, they're going to go with the person with 5,000. Um, and, and that's, or, or they're going to pay them the same amount. So that's the interesting thing. And, and the nice thing about Social Blue Book is Social Blue Book is not that. It's all about impressions. So it's literally, if you know anything about advertising or hear about it, one of the things that they talk about is uh, CPM and it's cost per mil or cost per thousand. And that is cost per thousand impressions. And, and that's basically what it's all based around. So they will take the type of content, apply it to your followers and spit out a number. And it, it's literally a math equation. And, and as you can imagine, like John was mentioning earlier, what do you have that other people don't have? The more niche down you are in your audience, if you are a pipe maker and you're one of the few people doing pipes and people come to you as the pipe expert, you're going to be able to get a lot more than that because that's like a general CPM versus if you are an expert in a niche that is very small, uh, you can command more versus if it's just a very general type thing, you're not, you know, the reach is just kind of, they're paying for impressions and you're going to be just on the same playing field with everybody else. But that's uh, definitely a, a site we would have you go check out and it's going to give you some reference to know, well, is what they're asking me for worth it for me to do it for 50 bucks or a hundred or, you know, there's, there's some price point that you need to pass before you start getting into these things. Yeah. And if you're getting, <laughs> And if you're getting free product in the low price point, way below what your blue book value is, um, understand that like the brands use this tool as well. They're able to see you know what they should be paying individuals like us. Um, and also in that, everyone is like if the if it's a product that is commonly used, we are all in the same playing field um, as far as value to these companies. So you need to establish yourself in a certain way that that like gives you enough value to feel like you're not uh, taking away from what you're trying to do as an influencer, but also doesn't take away from the community as a whole. Because um, there's going to be a lot of brands out there, and I've we've we've been seeing it over the past you know year year or so um, that are just completely willing to dump product to literally anybody. And they want to get wide. So you got to look at their strategy there, too. Um, so if a brand is approaching you and they're just looking for width, you know, they're probably going to be less likely to offer money. Um, and if they're offering you money that, you know, that's that's a low number, they're probably going to be offering a lot more people low numbers um, compared to a high dollar, high value contents partnership where you'd be, you know, their main person. Um, and those are kind of the relationships that that we love to see, that we love to promote for for our, uh, you know, the individuals that we coach up, because that's where you can really start adding value and working with the brand instead of for the brand. Um, and it, th those instances are going to come after a relationship is established through influencer marketing. I mean, you've got to put the work in and, and do it uh, as best a job you possibly can to, you know, promote and and help 
um, not only the sponsor in, in whatever they're trying to do, but as well as the community, um, the, which would be the people consuming your content. So, you know, the the types of content production that are going to come from these relationships can vary as well. I kind of touched on it earlier um, as full on demo or as we like to call it, integrated uh, product. And those are two two ways that a lot of us influencers use in industry product sponsorships to our advantage. You know, as we all know, Brad works with Rigid and all of his tools are orange. I mean, and that's a beautifully in uh, integrated uh, partnership that they have together. And it's very easy. And we're, you know, we all just assimilate Brad with that brand. And that's exactly what the brand wants. On the other end of it, for, for myself, for instance, to start working with um, uh, Ryobi or a, a brand like that, it would be way different because I've have it's not like that in my content. They haven't been there before. You know, it's brand new. Um, and so I would have to be cognizant of that if I was to create a relationship there and how that would work out for me, how that work out for my audience. And even if my audience is the type of audience that that brand would want, just because a brand reaches out to you, they don't necessarily know your audience as well as you do. And you have to be able to evaluate that um, for them and then let them like, like know. And, and you'll also get a ton of agencies that reach out to you too, not specifically yeah. people at the brand. And they don't, the agencies, there is sometimes a gap on understanding of what the brand's looking for and then what you bring to the table. Um, so, you know, you need to be aware there as well. So what happens with these agencies is that they start reaching out to people based on numbers and metrics alone. And in that, you start to get a lot of, you know, partnerships that are popping up that are completely out of the, out of left field that you are are completely unexpe- unexpected yeah. that it's are like I had a sewing one come up more just general ad spots yeah and you know Gary V says it best that marketers ruin everything and and <laughs> we completely understand that advertising within our space is something that is happening and it's been there for years and that content creators need to pay their bills so our community is fortunately super accepting the ad spots. Um, for the most part, and that they understand that in order to get this content that, that, you know, these, these guys and girls have to be paid. But in that most of us try to keep it as like real life, uh, content spark partnerships on things that we use or that we actually promote. Like I, I, I usually don't promote anything that I don't actually stand by. Um, I know you do the same Brad and then kind of try to build on that integrity and integrity is not something that is just personal, but your brand actually stands on it as well. I mean, you never want to sell your soul, as Brad said at the top of the show, for a buck because um, it can really come back to bite you down the line. Yeah. And I, I think it's not so th- there's a couple ways and, and I'm yeah, there are a couple ways to advertise, I guess. And, and it's different kind of in Instagram versus like I'll switch over to like YouTube because there are some ad spots where it's almost just like a commercial. Right. So if you're if you're watching a commercial and you're watching, you know, I can get a good example because it's mostly coverage, but let's just say you're, you're watching your favorite show from your favorite network. And then an ad comes up for some product. They're not necessarily saying, Hey, we use that. Like it's known that, Hey, they just paid for that. They're not, that network's not endorsing that per se. And they're not having a personal um, endorsement of that product. They're just showing the ad. And that can be done on, you know, seeing that sometimes on YouTube where it's like, Hey, this video is brought to you by, and it's not necessarily saying that, oh, I've used this, you know, be, and that's, that's, I think, okay, that's a different design. 
where it's like, hey, I'm just letting you have access to my audience. And still, there should be some level of like, you don't want to put stuff in there that you don't stand for, obviously. Um, if you're staunch gun control, you're obviously not going to have an ad spot for, you know, a handgun or something crazy like that. But but at the same time, uh, if I think the piece where people can where it can get really slippery is giving a personal endorsement on something that you may not use or that you don't believe in. And it's, I think the risk is for something that you don't use. Uh, if it's something that you know, you don't like, you know, I mean, that's just like, for me, that's integrity one-on-one, right? You, 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 you can't go up there. Um, it's actually, you know, against FT, we'll get into FTC guidelines here in a minute. Um, but you know, you, you're supposed you need to say your own opinion and what you feel about it. And not say that this thing is awesome, but the last five times you used it broke and they have to keep sending you new ones and it keeps breaking, right? Like that's, that's not cool because what's going to happen is that people see your endorsement. You are giving, anytime you put an ad on your channel, whether you like it or not, you are giving a personal endorsement for it just by taking the money and showing it. And so if it's something that then somebody sees that and like, oh, Brad uses this thing, I'm going to go check that out and they buy it and have a bad experience with it. Well, guess what? they're not going to be mad at that company as much as they're going to be mad at you because they spent that money based upon what you told them and what they saw on your channel. And so they're, you know, they're not going to buy that product again, but you also just went way down and at a minimum, you know, they're, they're not too happy with you. Uh, or they start saying like, dude, you know, he's a sellout. He's, he's doing this stuff. Like he said to use this brand and I use that same product and I like it, it's horrible. It was a waste of money. And I don't know what's going on here. So like that, that's the, that's the part where it's like, you know, that I always say like, whenever a brand approaches me, Hey, would you like to promote my very first thing? I always say like, is give me the product, like, give me the product. I, I want to put my hands on it. Cause like, like, th- like you said, John, like they'll just reach out, especially agencies. Hey, would you like to, to bat? And I'm like, I haven't even seen the product. How can I, I, I can't sign a deal. I can't commit to, putting something on my channel that I've not even had in my hands. Uh, and, and obviously there's a lot of folks that do that because that's just kind of natural for a lot of these agencies. So, um, you know, again, you're, you're taking a risk there. So that's always the first thing for me is like, make sure you're comfortable with it. Make sure it meets your expectations because as soon as you put that out, whether you like it or not, you're standing behind that product. Uh, if it goes up on your Instagram or if it goes up on, on any, any channel that you own. Yeah. And I mean, you also have to realize if you're starting to get into sponsorships is that they're not they don't last forever. You know, sometimes sponsorships go away, you know, uh, advertising budgeting is moved around and such. And if you're endorsing something that you literally don't like just for the sake of them paying you and then they stop paying you and it's all gone from your shop a week later, your audience is going to be like, we thought you loved it. Like, what do you mean? And then then you can see the downside to falsifying like your own integrity towards a product. Um, if, uh, long-term, you know, if, if things were to change, um, and that's not very common, you know, that, that's something yeah. that's like an extreme example, but if you're, what you hit on that though, John, when that happens, like, have you had somebody send you something and it crapped yeah. out or it just was a piece of junk? Oh yeah. I mean, I got a review on my YouTube channel. You can check out a product that I thought was a little bit below the standard of what I typically like to use. Um, and you know, I, I, I don't, I do not sugarcoat it when it comes to brands that I am a prosumer type content creator. I try to endorse and use products um, that are on the higher level of quality as well as price. 
And I know that. I know that for a fact. I know that most of the tools in my shop are ridiculously expensive and that a lot of people will never have them. And that bothers a lot of people. But I stick to that. You know, I, I try to make it that if I am using something in a in a video or that if I'm using it in a piece of content, that it is a uh, highly, you know, well-made. It's at least something that's you can't just you you won't just throw on the ground when you're done with it because it sucked and I just got paid to use it. So, you know, in that I've had a lot of brands that I've turned down that reached out and I was like, hey, um, you know, you're, you're a little bit more in the DIY community and something that's more of an entry level tool. Um, you know, I try to stick with the I can't have, you know, said brand next to the most expensive sander on the planet. And like that's just the standard. I can't it would be very difficult for me to not uh, to, to easily start using tools that aren't uh, you know, with in line with what I've been using for years and that's just tool specific. So if you start, you know, getting approached by brands that you don't work with, I a hundred percent agree with Brad, you know, let me see it first. Let me get my hands on it. Um, and try it out first. If it fits what you're doing, I think that's fantastic. And then, you know, work out your, your, your deal or whatever it might be. But if it doesn't, don't try to force it because your audience can always tell. And, uh, there you're, <laughs> You may not see it until it starts coming in in, in, you know, DMs and referrals. But like, you know, I'll have I'll get a lot of backlash if I promote a product and people don't like it and I like it. And that's if if you don't like it and you still promote it, other people are not going to like it. And then they're going to come back to you, like Brad said. Um, and then that's going to make things really unclear and difficult for you. Uh, and, and you just don't want to live there. It makes it way harder than it should be. There's plenty of opportunity out there that you don't need to take every single brand deal that comes through. Um, and it's going to be, it's, it's an ever evolving and growing process as well. We should say is that just because one brand deal falls through or comes through, doesn't mean that there's not going to be more, or there is going to be more. It's a, it's a continuous, you know, evolving and moving and changing thing. Um, yeah. so if you turn, like if you turn something down, it could be a good sign because, you know, maybe the brand you wanted instead of that will come to the table next and, you know, who, who knows what those type of things. Um, but I, I would just always suggest, um, what Brad said in using the product first, giving your honest opinion. And then the, the first thing you should do in that is if you do not like something is give that opinion to the brand first. Yes. Don't just spat it out there to your audience yes. because you could have a defective product one uh, it could have been damaged in transition, something out of the control of both parties and that the shipping company handles. You know, there's a lot of things that could go into something like that. Um, and you want to make sure it's ironed out before you start promoting that to your yeah. audience. That happens a ton, especially in the tool review space. I see those guys and girls getting a lot of products that just had a malfunction or, you know, something, yeah. something. Well, there's lemons. Yeah. There's lemons in all of it. That And, and like every Tesla bar has lemons. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Bar none. Every single company out there has products that go bad. Bar none. And and that's just how it is. Right. And I, I think that's also and, and I've done that before as well, is that um, so two sides of that. Right. If you get a product, you you either establish it up front. Say, hey, send me this and I'm just going to share my reviews. Just know that, you know, I'm going to share my opinion. Uh, are, are you cool with that? And what some brands I'll go back to and I'll say, hey, um, you know, I know this is probably not the review you're looking for. So uh, kind of like what my mom always used to tell me is if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Right. So it's like, well, this didn't work out. Uh, I never showed it on my channel. I used it in the background, didn't really like it. 
Uh, if I'm going to talk about it, it's not going to be good. Uh, so we can do that or not. And that's an interesting thing. And, and I've gone through that. Um, and I'm actually, you know, going through it now. I've been through some things where it's like uh, product does not meet expectations. But, um, it, you know, in, in a group of products. So there's other things, right, too, that sometimes you can't always get the product in hand before you uh, sign because sometimes what happen, especially with, you know, tour reviews or things like that is that you might say, yeah, I'll, I'll do some tour reviews and I'm going to sign up for five tour reviews. And then you don't know what you're going to get. Right. And so then they send it in and then it's like, okay, well, I got this one and I really don't like it. Uh, so then you can go back to the brand and say, Hey, uh, yeah, this one, yeah, it didn't work out for me. Here's why. Like, like you said, John, give them the option. Oh man, that should not be doing that here. Let us send you a new one. Mm-hmm. Boom. You get a new one. Then, then you can talk about, yeah, I had this, but customer service was great. And, you know, that, that's not a great reflection because you're not a normal customer, but still um, got this one and it, it looks good. So again, not not pushing it under the rug, but being able to have a conversation about, oh, they were able to fix it. And, oh, this, there was this thing. And, and um, um, you know, that it's something that they have fixed and addressed and it was a known issue coming out. Uh, and so that's another way. Or they might say, well, hey, we would rather you not publish that. And I would say, Okay, that's your prerogative. Uh, I still need to get paid because I did the work. You know, depending upon what it is, and if it's a if it's a review and a piece of content that I'm putting together and I'm doing the work, and then realize through the process and I've already invested, well, that's not on me. And and that's that's a very tough line. It's a very tough line because you know that's where it gets that's where it gets. T- it's all peaches and cream when everything works out great, but when you have an issue, then you got to say, well, do you get paid or like how how do you do that? Do you pay me half? How much effort did I put in? How did it meet expectations or not? I have got to be true to my audience. I am absolutely not going to show this if I do not recommend it. Or I'm going to say here, this is great, but here are the downfalls of it. You know, it worked in these situations, but when I tried to use it in this situation, had issues. So watch out for that. If you're if you're going to use it in these two situations, go for it. If you're thinking about this one, you know, probably not a good idea. Um, so, you know, those are all just things to think about and, and understanding that. But as, as we come up on the hour here, I want to, I want to get into making sure that, uh, also you guys know about what is required from a law standpoint. And I think, did you say that you may have said the FDA at the beginning? And I think that's, you know, like I'm hungry and, probably <laughs> the FDA. So yeah, we got, we got uh, choice grade beef over here. No, Grass and, and so there, there are regulations on influencer marketing, any type of marketing. This goes to, uh, across the board. And so actually, I I looked up an article, the FTC, Federal Trade Commission, put out an article about influencer marketing that was specifically for online marketing. And and it was, I think, geared towards bloggers, but that will also go to social media marketers and YouTubers uh, that lays out line by line. And it's actually, they have like the really technical, but this one that I'm going to link to is actually a lot of like Q&A. So it's really great. But there are rules and regulations. And the, the basic one is that if you are given product, um, you have to disclose that you were given that product, that there is some material connection between you talking about the product and uh, you getting the product or getting paid money. So getting a product for free, they would consider that you're getting paid. If you say, hey, I just I just got this new tape measure and it's awesome and they gave that to you for free. By the FTC rules, you you are supposed to say they gave this to me free or I'm partnered with them or hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored. There's lots of different ways to do it, but that is 
the regulation. Now, that's pretty loose yes. in uh, in how it is used out in our community as well as how it is enforced. So, you know, I, I don't I don't know. But, and I see, John, you do. And they also make a lot of tools like right on Instagram because I see you use it whenever you have sponsored deals. Right. The paid. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do that just to keep it crystal clear and, and just to cover my butt. Um, and on the other end of it, it makes it, it actually, the tool makes it easier for me to, um, hit my deliverables with my sponsors instead of they, so brands get tagged a ton for people to get their attention. I'm sure a lot of our listeners do that. Um, so, you know, just more than a tag doing that, uh, it's a little bit different and they can see those metrics and all that good stuff that goes with it. Um, on the other end of it, and that's just for business accounts, right? Yeah. Okay. When did, when did that get opened up to you? Cause I know for a while you didn't have it. Was that when you, no, no, it's, well, it's been open to business accounts. I think over, okay. I think all of them. Over and it's 10, called 000. the paid partnership tool. If you yes. go in, it, it's under like the other options, I believe. Like if you're doing a post, you can, you can go in there and basically say, Hey, and at the top of the post, it'll say paid. What does it say? Paid advertisement or something like that. But paid it basically says paid promotion with the brand and you could tag them and that becomes crystal clear because it's right at the very beginning of the post and you don't have to worry about hashtags and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Even though a lot of brands will ask that you do both of those use paid and hashtag ad or sponsored. So the other thing that'll happen here is that a lot of brands are lawyering up, especially when they're working with agencies just to protect themselves on this end. And with that, their uh, contracts will state what is necessary for uh, transparency in these situations. So um, they'll lay it out for you. So don't feel intimidated by it. There'll be some sort of guidelines yes. in order for how they want it to be handled. Um, and on the other side of it, it's it's a I'm not 100 percent positive on it, but it is there is tax. Um, uh, there is issues with your tax um, claiming of free tools in payments in exchange for things um as as far as you know depreciation of assets and all that stuff goes so do be sure that you are talking to your accountant um as far you know if you're if you're getting a free drill like don't worry about it but if someone completely decks out your shop with new tools um you know you're going to want those assets on the book as far as uh it goes for what your business is worth but then if they were donated you do have to pay um something somewhere somewhere along those lines and i uh so i don't claim any of the free tools as far as it goes like as far as assets for my business they were donations um and this was all crystal clear before then so i like i don't depreciate you know a free tool on my books um which some people which you can do but anyway talk to your accountant i was as i as you know yeah, we're not experts different ways there. to handle it a lot of exactly. different ways to handle it there too and and um, these are things that come along like the dude, it is the wild west sponsorship content. Like it, this is brand new to everyone that's doing it. Um, and we're all trying to figure it out together. So, uh, if you do have experiences or anything that have popped up recently working with sponsors and, uh, and, and, you know, going down the line of a social media influencer, hit us up, let us know, uh, you know, hit us up in the comments on these show notes. Um, we'd love to hear how it's going for you. If you have any tips or insights on what's working, what's not. Um, and let us know how you like the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know one of the major takeaways is uh, we see we see a lot more people doing sponsored content, and we think that is awesome. Yeah. I mean, you should be proud and like being having a brand 
uh, say, hey, we we would like you to represent our brand and share our brand message. I mean, that that is an honor. I think it's an honor. And that is something that also you should you know, you need to do right by that brand and that it is a partnership in between your, yourselves. And we talk about under promise and over deliver and all those good things that, you know, if you get sponsored by a brand, man, kudos to you, even though even if it's just them sending you free stuff, that's that's awesome. That's them saying like they're giving credence to you. And, and we love that. And it's great to see uh, listeners and patrons starting to get these brand deals and starting to get sponsored videos and things. It's, it's really awesome. And we're super proud of you guys seeing you go through that evolution uh, and go through it. But it's it is, you know, so just go in there, understand and know your value. Hit the links up. Make sure you're doing the FTC stuff right. Uh, make sure that you know your value and that, you know, you know the commitment that you are signing up for that value as well. So uh, hopefully this helped out because we've been getting a ton of questions about it recently. But, yeah, let us know. Uh, over there on Instagram and and uh, even there over there on the website. So you can head over to madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 56 and you can leave a comment there or head over to the link for our Patreon site as well. Yeah, and all the links to anything we talked about in the show will be there as well. And if you want to jump into the conversation on Facebook, make sure you are heading over to Facebook and searching for Made for Profit Tribe. Um, it, we got a lot of great conversation happening over there. Always. Uh, we love hearing feedback from that part of our audience. And we actually do pull all of our, um, after show questions from our made for profit tribe. So yeah, head on over there to Facebook search made for profit tribe. Absolutely. All right. We're going to go head over to that after show, which is actually, uh, just for our patrons. So they get to, to ask those questions in there and get answered. So if you want to be part of that, head on over. We'd love to have you. All right, man, let's knock this one out. Let's do it.